So we are uh, starting a new series today um, entitled Grieving with God um, with the subtitle Our Response to Brokenness. And this is part of, of a package that we as a church um, took on at the end of last year and looking for sermon series for this year coming and for all 2024 and and when I, I, I looked on at Ministry Pass and, and found these things and you got choices to go through and find sermon packages and the youth group uses it for youth group and uh, it just helps you because they make all the graphics and all that stuff and we, we used to have people that helped us with graphics and and uh, I was building my own and, and doing all that but it, it takes a lot of time and literally if because I'm like nitpicky and I've changed stuff 7,000 times so if I was making this graphic it would literally take me probably 10 hours to settle on the graphic so by going with uh, the sermon series it just helps us with all those pictures and images and then but it's not a package deal where the sermons are written for you it's just a kind of a guideline that you can go through with the graphics and uh, it's made for us to uh, implement our own ideals and thoughts uh, it does give us a scripture, and the book is Lamentations in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, you can start turning in there, if you will, the book of Lamentations. And uh, But really, when I... had the situations hit the home front, um, I wasn't really looking forward to this series at all. I'll just be honest with you. I am not... Um, probably in the state of mind to, to do this series justice, but sometimes we have to do our job because it's our job. And if God has called me to do this and he knew beforehand that I did that when these people was designing this that it was going to happen here, and I just got to believe that he's going to work all things together for good. And uh, grieving, um, has anybody in the room ever dealt with grief? of loss of a loved one or um, maybe loss of a job, maybe loss of other things in your life. And it's it's tough stuff. This is deep waters and it's not easy. Um, but God calls us into those moments and he gives us the aid and support and help we need to deal with things that is bigger than us. So as I'm thinking about that and pondering about that and, and, and dealing with this book of Lamentations, we need to understand that this is a prophet speaking to the nation that had been decimated and had total loss. And the nation of Israel was carried away into Babylon. Jeremiah the prophet foresaw this. He went out and preached to the nation of Israel. He was prophesying to them to deal with some issues, deal with some things. They refused to hear the prophet. They refused to listen. They refused to hear. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. Maybe, maybe there's good listeners in the room. I don't know, Dusty, but 
So, husbands, you're allowed to say that back to your wife if you're afraid just now to do that, Jr. You're allowed to say to her, you know, Jane, you're not a good listener. And we all have problems with listening, I believe. We have problems with obedience when God calls us to do things and tells us to do things and repeats it after time after time after time after time and we hear the same voice and the same reasoning and the same objective to go do and he tells us again and again and again and again and we just keep listening and we think I'll do that some other day. Do I have any procrastinators in the room? Wait till the last minute, dive in then and try to figure it out and wing it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You'd work even better if you did it beforehand. Because <laughs> pressure's still coming. <laughs> Amen. But some people plan ahead, and some people are really good at goal-oriented lifestyles. And I, There's many types of people in the world. And the m more I live and the older I get, the more I see that, that there's, you know, these personality tests that you can take that kind of tells you what your makeup is, your psyche, how, how you're wired, some people call it. So some of these things that we talk about, you need to understand that it may affect you differently than it will your neighbor or the person behind you or the person in front of you. That we don't deal with grief the same. And that doesn't lessen the impact of it for us. And some people may cry and snot and slobber and wear out hankies. And the person sitting beside them going through the same situation deals with it in a total another way and they're sitting there in silence and solitude and taking walks to the barn. I want to give you the privilege that you can do this your way. And you don't have to imitate anybody else because God will work with you one-on-one -on -one and he knows where you're at and he knows how you're wired and he knows how to get you from point A to point B. But grief through... Because of loss is something that, as we face that and the grief comes and it's like waves and it's like a, a, a it, it will rear its ugly head just at times that you don't see it coming. And in ways that you didn't even foretell, you couldn't say, well, this is when it's going to happen. The roller coaster ride of life. But how many believes the Bible is true? The Bible says that God will go before you. He will go before you. That means he's already been where you're getting ready to go. <laughs> he's already saw what you're getting ready to see. He's already felt what you're getting ready to feel. And that's the God we serve. The God of the Bible is the God that knows us better than we know ourselves. And if we give him 
this sacred spot in our life, the purest spot in our lives, to say, God, I know that you know best what's best for me, and I trust you. I trust you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything about me. And if you remember what I said last week was, it was during the prayer, I think, I said this last week, that is do you possess God or does God possess you? It's two different things. Because if you possess God, that means he's just your little trinket that you set on the shelf that you can get down and play with whenever you want. But if he possesses you, he's the one in control. So it's me being in control versus him being in control. And I have to decide if he's my Lord and Savior and Redeemer and friend and comforter and all the words that the Bible foretells that he is. If we give him control of those things, he's got it. He can handle it. And in your grief, it's not easy to give that to someone else or you feel even bad about putting that on someone else's shoulders. But God's got big enough shoulders to bear your burden. He says, cast all your cares on me. All of them. That includes grief. And he's asking us to do that today, to begin this process for the next few weeks of grieving with God. And I promise you it's better to grieve with God than without him. He's, he's the best thing that will ever be in your corner. And you're better off to do everything you do on this planet with God. Because without him, we're a mess. And without, without him, we're creating storms and we're doing things that makes it worse. But with him, he makes all things work together for the good. We're broken. And God is checking how will we respond. What will we do? What will we say? How will we react to this brokenness that we're feeling? So to set the stage for this series, I just want today to kind of launch into this, that Lamentations is, is a book written by Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah, like I said a moment ago, he, he was foretold, he was forewarned, he had dreams, he had visions, he had these things that God was revealing to him that he had to go out and, and preach to the community and tell them, you know, bad things are getting ready to happen. And some people like hearing bad news. Do you love bad news? I don't, I don't care a whole lot for it myself. Um, some people like bad news. But it seems like bad news travels way worse than good news. Amen? That somebody could start a little uh, rumor dusty at work and maybe just in jest in a joking, you know, uh, way and, and start a little rumor in the break room and, Next thing you know, by the end of the day, the work day, Shannon's sitting there smiling because he's been through this, and construction jobs are the worst for this, I believe, Travis. And all. Anybody that's ever worked construction, you know what I'm talking about. It, and sometimes you make it up in fun like that to try to get somebody else going, 
Next thing you know, it's turned around full circle and it's coming right back at you. And I, I've seen this happen before. Uh, one guy one time, he was really good at that, making up stuff, and he made up there's going to be a layoff. And in construction, that's just the way of life. We just you get laid off, and you, that's just what you do in construction. It's part of it. Chuck's lived his whole life with that. And he made up a joke and a story about there was going to be a layoff today. And next thing you know, it, it come full circle and it come back to him. And somebody it got back to the boss, and the boss got to think about it and said, "Well, it, can't, it probably is time for a layoff." So sometimes you got to be careful on what you start because it might come back home to roost. And that's kind of that way for Jeremiah because God told him what to say and he's out here saying it and telling people and forecasting, we got to turn back to God. Our nation has gone to hell in a handbasket. And he's saying, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble because... With God, you can read all through the Old Testament and see time after time, situation after situation, story after story, family after family, community after community. If we leave God, we're on our own, and that always leads to doom. Humanity without God is destined for doom. Can anybody attest to that in your own personal life before you got saved, that you had made a mess out of your life that God had given you anyways, given you the air to breathe, and you made a mess out of it, and it seemed like gloom and doom was everywhere running rampant, but then you come to God and you lay it all down at his feet, every bit of the mess that you made, all the struggle that you had, you lay it down at his feet, and he picks it up, and you take it, and you get up for free. His son hung on a cross for all the sin, and we lay it at his feet, and we get up with burden-free shoulders, a lightness walking out and telling everybody, the joy of the Lord has hit my home. Amen. Think about that. The capabilities of God are endless. There is no end to what He is capable of. What burdens can He carry? All of them. That's why the old song, Take All Your Burdens to the Lord. You know, we need to take them to Him. So, Jeremiah's out there, he's prophesying, he's telling the community, it's a train wreck, we're a mess. Our, our nation's falling away from God. We've got this situation going on. We've got all these false idols. There's people up on top of the hills worshiping other gods. There's, there's a, a lot of junk going on in town. And you tell them, we're fixing to be in a pickle if we don't straighten up around here. Go out and start preaching that on the corner. It's easy to go out there, well, Jesus loves you, holding a little sign, giving them cookies. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. You can tell them Jesus loves them because he does. And you can hand them a cookie because he loves them that much. But at the same time, if you keep doing the junk you're doing, you're going to inherit the mess you've made. Amen? Sin leads to destruction because it's separation from God. So, Jeremiah's telling them this. They don't like it. They don't like to hear it. They don't listen. They don't obey. They don't pay homage to whom God has sent them as a prophet. And next thing you know, Babylon, a big, huge nation next door that had already conquered everybody all the way around them, comes marching into town in Jerusalem, takes their young women, takes their young men, breaks the walls down, marches into the church house, which is the temple, takes all the good artifacts that they'd had, the big pieces, and they carried away to the foreign land. That's what happened. And God prophesied this through Jeremiah and said, you're going to go into exile and you're going to be there for 70 years. You're in a mess. How many would like to have a sentence right now 
you're going to go somewhere for 70 years. Maybe the young ones in the room, teenagers, you better hope you live the uh, expected lifespan because 70 years is a long time. And usually people that can understand when this is being said, 70 years, that, that is a long time to me. I'm, I'm 48. What's, what's that plus 70? People adding? Anybody adding? I hear Betty over there asking mom, now what, what's that add up to? 118? Okay, what, what's yours? Plus 70 to wherever you're at right now. Rick, I, I don't know how old you are, but plus 70 to that. Just 130, you know, it's just just another trip or two around the sun, right? <laughs> Betty said she can't count that high. <laughs> I didn't say that. Sorry. Um, so when this 70-year prophecy comes to pass, here Jeremiah standing out here. He's a young man. But even if you're 25 and somebody says 70 years from now, you're going to be in exile, you're going to be a foreigner, you're going to be a slave in another nation of people that don't like your God. Amen. People that don't think like you, act like you, walk like you, or talk like you. You're going to be their slave for 70 years. That's a pretty big burden. That's a pretty big loss when you're used to being in the temple and praying and, and coming to church and, and seeing the joys and the beauty that we get to see in this room of lives changed and transformed and, and, and people in community together loving each other, cherishing each other, enjoying time and serving and doing all the stuff we talked about last week. It's a joy to get to walk in here and see this every week. Amen. And if somebody took, come in and took us out captive today and took us away as foreigners, as strangers, as, as servants to them, and we didn't get to experience this again, I promise you, I promise you, you would wish for another day to walk through these doors and serve and worship God. You would long for it like nothing else when it was taken away for 70 years. And this leads to all kinds of things. It's other books that's going to get written because Daniel's going to live over there in that captivity. And he's going to look out through windows and still be praying. He's going to go get led into a lion's den. He's going to end up in a fiery furnace. Why? Because he prays because that guy don't like it too much. Because we go through bad things doesn't mean it's time to give up on God. Can I say that again? Because you're going through bad things doesn't mean it's time to give up on God. Because it's easier to grieve with God than it is without Him. And if we get this image and this picture in our mind that Jeremiah is there, and yes, he sees the destruction, he sees the walls torn apart, completely dismantled everything in existence. And I see the grief in our hometown here, in Vanceburg. I hear people in their 60s and 70s and 80s that's told me stories about going downtown and watching movies and, and you couldn't get from one end of the street to the next because there were so many people in town. I see the struggle and grief. 
And our walls are still up. Those buildings are still there as remembrances of what once was. These people had nothing. It was complete shambles. And it looked like that there was no way out because a 70-year sentence from God is a big burden to bear. But there's only one thing that you can do in the midst of that because if it's going to be 70 years later, the best thing you better start doing is looking for that 70-year mark. Amen? And saying, I'm going to be with God throughout all these seven years. I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to talk with Him. I'm going to pray to Him. I'm going to live life with Him. And for 70 years, I might be in this struggle. I might be in this battle. It might be a burden that I feel like I can't handle. But with God, He's going to help me through this storm so that that 70-year benchmark out in the future, I want to get to that day. Because what's that day? That's the day when Nehemiah comes riding back into town, Dusty, and says, let's rebuild these walls. Let's put this temple back up again. Let's get the worship band going again. Let's get this stuff happening again. Because 70 years makes a lot of difference. But through the storm, they stayed with God. Daniel did. Nehemiah did. And if they did, we need to. Because I can get mad at God and say, that's your fault. I can blame him, but if I kick him out of the story, it's not going to be good. Keep him in your story. If there's nothing else I say today, beginning this series, other than this, keep him in your story. There's so many people in this room that has dealt with so much loss lately. It's just, it's unbearable. It is unbearable. I'm with you. I feel it with you. I've talked to so many of you and, and, and individuals that you've lost in your life, that you loved, that you cherished, that was robbed of years of futures. Some of it no fault of their own. But I know a lot of those stories, and I know a lot of them that are singing in heaven today and saying, whatever you do, don't mess up. Get up here because it's worth it. It's worth every bit of the pain, every bit of the struggle, every bit of the anxiety, every bit of the fears, every bit of the things you're facing. It's all worth it. But when you get up here, it's worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. And if there's anybody in this room today that has someone that you've lost, that you, you're going through this struggle, this loss, this grief that's unbearable, I promise you they're setting up in heaven today, the ones I'm talking about that I know of, and, and many of you, there's been many families in our past that has done this, that they gave their life to Jesus. Amen. Some of them had been saved forever. Some of them have been saved for a few days that I know of. And I thank God that my dad, a day before he drawed his last breath, said, I want to go to heaven, Ma. It gives me hope. And whatever I'm going to face in this life, I'm going to do it with God. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, and I'm not saying I got this all figured out. I'm saying I'm going to do it with God. 
Look at your neighbor and say, you better do it with God. It's the only way. The only way. And I need him. I need him now more than ever. So I'm supposed to read all of Lamentations chapter 1, but here it is, 11, 12. And I ain't even, <laughs> we ain't even got started on the first page yet, but it's okay. I guess you guys' burden to bear and grief you've got to bear is listen to me week after week trying to get through a sermon. So the big idea of this message today to kick this off, they say this, that the big idea is that we need to lean into the depth of our suffering in order to fully deal with it. Don't run from it. Don't try to just put it on a back shelf somewhere and say, I'll deal with that some other day. Deal with it. Is that saying it's easy? Nah, not at all. It's the farthest thing from easy. But you have to deal with it. And dealing with it doesn't mean easy. Dealing with it means deal with it. But if we're doing it with God, nothing is impossible to him that believes. Nothing. Nothing you're facing is impossible with God. He's given you enough resources, abilities, and mindset to deal with things. We need to lean in to the depth. It's not time to shy away from, push in the seat to the table and walk away. It's time to get down to the nitty-gritty. And if we deal with the depth of this suffering, and it's tough. Suffering is not easy. It's tough. The depth of it, let's get to the core to the root cause. There's all kinds of big fancy terms, and I'm sure in nursing, Belinda, you, you have to get to the root cause, right? You, you, you don't just want to mask and treat something. you got to find out what's going on. And that might take radiology, Amy coming in to help a nurse, Belinda, to figure out what's going on. Is there any phlebotomist in the room that's drawing blood? None? Nobody here is drawing blood? Bunch of wimps. <laughs> huh? Oh, okay, where we go. We, she, she just wasn't raising her hand yet. Working on it. Okay, yeah. Just stay away from my arm, whatever you do. Sometimes you have to draw labs to figure out what's going on. Because the x-ray might not show what the blood will show. And you might be better off to have a nurse that's been doing it for a few years, that's seen this time after time after time, and knows this is what it is. Or it might be beneficial to have a husband that knows it all and says, this place on the side of your face is shingles. Ain't you glad Leslie loves me, Jane? <laughs> she loves me like you do, JR. I think that means you just put up with them. <laughs> I think that's what that means. <laughs> no offense, JR, no offense. I, yeah, yeah, none, none taken, right? <laughs> That's Earl's dad, in case anybody wants to know. Um, yeah. But the root cause is what we've got to get to. And you can, sometimes you've got to get deep. Sometimes you've got to get real deep to find out what's going on and how we're going to deal with this. B. 
be honest about how things hurt. Be honest about how things hurt. Because if it's not honest, what is it? It's a lie. It's untrue. So part of dealing with grief is we have to be honest, Dusty. We have to open up our mouth and be honest about what we're facing. And that honesty sometimes, and I believe most of the times, God puts us in community with folks to help us share the burden. How many believes that? That you're in a, I don't know if you want to call it a gang. I don't know if you're giving gang signs or whatever. whatever. I don't know if it's your posse. I don't know if it's your crew. I don't know if it's your, I don't know what it is. And every kind of different animal's got a different name for what theirs is. You know, you got a herd, you got all these different things, flock, you got, it's kind of crazy, a school fish. Why can't it be the same thing? Why can't it just be one word that we would use for all of them that just says this is a group? You know why? Because they're different. It's okay to be different. Because if you take that fish out of the water, and try to make him fly like a bird, he's going to struggle in that group, right? <laughs> so think about it. God puts you in community of people like you because they know that he knows that you're going to aggravate each other to death because they're too much like you. Can anybody say amen? amen. Because the closer it hits home, it's like, what is wrong with you? And by saying that, when you're saying that, you're actually saying, what is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. We are all different. And God puts us in communities of difference. And it doesn't mean that it's an age thing. Because there's some 80-year-olds that I really like to hang out with. Amen? Because we have some things in common. We can talk about stuff. We can deal with stuff. And we, we can get into uh, uh, friendly conversations. And sometimes I'll get around them and I'll open up and say stuff that I probably wouldn't tell other people. That's not a bad thing. Jesus said don't cast your pearl before the swine. Amen? If you had a real costly pearl... The best thing you could do is not throw it to a hog trough because what they're going to do, they're going to chomp it up. How many's ever watched a hog eat? Slop, stand in the slop pan. and It's the nastiest thing. I, I, don't, I still love bacon, I, I'm saying. I still love bacon. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a good slice of ham. But when you're raising some hogs and you stand out there, and, and I remember that trough that Dad had up on the hillside, and I, I remember the mistakes. I could still see it in my mind, Dusty. And I was a little kid standing there, and he had an electric fence where they wouldn't get out, and he'd go out there with a big bucket and just pour it in there and slop. And I'm talking everything mixed together for a week. And then pigs would get up in it and start rooting and just chomping and carrying on and would pee 
right in the trough that they're eating out of. Does this make you hungry? <laughs> Nasty. Put bacon on your hamburger when you go to McDonald's after a while. <laughs> says, don't cast your pearls for us. Why? Because they'll chomp it up. They'll tear up your most precious thing. And there's people out there that you can't share the truth with. You can't open up your heart and have a blank pad and, and just say, here it is. Here's everything I'm dealing with, the struggles and the grief and this, this burden that I'm bearing. I, I, you can't open that up to everybody. And Jeremiah wasn't opening this up to everybody. When he wrote Lamentations, he's writing it to Jerusalem. He's writing it to the city. He's writing it to the Israelites. He's writing it to his people. And saying, we have been decimated. The city is gone. God's house is torn apart. And he's sharing that grief with his folks. Just like you and I need to share our grief with our folks. And I'm not saying we're going to get up here and have a share time. That we're all going to take this microphone and tell everybody, everybody in the room everything we're dealing with. Because some of you is different than me. Amen? Some of you is different than Amy. And we need to be there for each other in our smaller groups to help each other deal with the burdens we're facing. And God has put us in a group in a church with enough difference, with enough people, with different makeups, that there's nobody in this room that is isolated from being with somebody else in this room. I promise you, in this crowd today, just today alone, not counting the ones that's not here, just the ones here today, there's people in this room that can share deep grief together in community in this room. And it's no accident that God has us talking about this because if we don't ever deal with it, if we don't ever go deep, if we don't ever open up, we won't ever heal. And I'm not saying that healing means that you won't have a scar. Anybody with me? Have you ever cut yourself bad enough that it was deep? And you're thinking, uh-oh. You can put super glue on that one if you want to. There's still going to be a scar. That's still painful sometimes to touch, that it's numb. On some of those areas, my finger right here. I, I cut into that with a grinder. It was deep and it was wide. And the weird part was it didn't even bleed. It was deep. There's no blood involved, but there's a scar there that shows that, and now it's numb because I can't feel it. So what I'm saying is when you go deep, I'm not saying that you're going to open it up so God can heal it and then you'll never know it's there anymore because you're always going to look down and you're going to say, yeah, I remember when I did that. That stupid race car cost me a numb finger. <laughs> Amen, Wayne. <laughs> He's got his head down shaking it. <laughs> 
And sometimes it's not just a physical scar. Sometimes it's a scar like I, we went out to eat with uh, Amy and Earl last week, and, and Earl's telling, you know what? I took off racing for two years, and I built a house. It's like, hallelujah for not racing. <laughs> but I think he's trying to tell Leslie that in front of me. And I was like, Earl, come on, man. Whose team you on? Team Leslie or what? So when we talk about this grief and this healing and this process that I'm talking about, don't think for a minute that I'm saying that it's going to erase it. Because the pain, the sorrow, the memory is going to linger forever. But it's better once it's healed than it was walking around without getting infected and hurting. So I'm talking about a difference of hurting and God healing to allow you to go on to live for him because there's more work to do. Everybody in this room, God has a plan for your life. And I really believe that there's people that he can use you to get to people that they'll make heaven their home if you'll serve God. He can use all of us. To reach somebody. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Jimmy Swagger. You don't have to be anybody. You be yourself. Be who you are. And be used by God just like you are. But allow him to heal you. Allow him to touch you. And allow him to strengthen you in ways that you can't. And this song, this book right here in Lamentations chapter 1 you can read this there's 22 verses in it there's 22 verses in chapter 2 there's 22 verses in chapter 4 and chapter 5 um, chapter 3 is going to be broken into two sections because it's a little bit longer but these four chapters here 1, 2, 4 and 5 have 22 verses apiece but this first one begins with a cry to God because actually the Lamentations is the lament that Jeremiah is doing is, is a lament. It's a cry to God. It's a cry to his countrymen. It's a cry to his church. It's a cry to his family. It's a cry to his friends. And in the Old Testament, whenever somebody would cry, what would they do? They would go get sackcloth, which would be like wearing burlap, that feel pretty comfortable? Get you a feed sack and throw one for a shirt. Wear that around all day working. <laughs> Talk about getting raw. Anybody ever been raw? Wear you a burlap sack. That's what they would do. They'd put on sackcloth and they would sit in ashes. And then this Old Testament stories they would take, and, and there's these imagery that they show on movies and stuff now that they would literally take the ashes and the dirt and they'd throw it up in the air in grief and just cry and scream. You still see it today. Over in Israel today, when, when those people lost their loved ones that was carried away by Hamas back into Gaza, there's still some prisoners of war today. We're months into this thing. Still prisoners of war. Those people in Israel are over there doing this. They mourn the loss 
of their loved one with sackcloth and ashes. And they literally throw dirt in the air. And it's, a, it's an anguish thing, but it's a release. And I'm not telling you you have to do it that way, but there's something like that and something to that. And if it means you going out on a wild walk somewhere and getting up on top of the hill where nobody's going to hear you and let it out, come on, somebody. You can cry loud and spare not. Lift up your voice because God is going to hear you. Let it out. Open up. Stop hiding. Stop covering up. Stop trying to mask. Stop trying to pretend. And say, I'm hurt. I'm not healed yet. I still got an open wound. But you need to come into a community that say, here, I've got some salve in the cabinet that I can help you by putting that Neosporin on that for you. That will help the healing process happen. That's what the church is here for. That's why you're sitting here today is for each other. You didn't come for yourself. You come in this room today thinking, man, I hope I can be an encouragement to somebody today. I hope I can get, put a set of a, a painful, or what's how I call it, bull and a bunch of cupcakes and hoping to make somebody smile. Can't believe you bull but cupcakes, but he does. I don't know how he does that. Mom, what are you, what kind of kitchen are you running? <laughs> Never trained him. <laughs> he is sitting with Debo, Dusty, so I mean, come on. Open up. Share. Be in community. Part of the process of working through trauma and loss is being together with people who can understand and have dealt with similar pains. Do you hear that? Part of the process of working through trauma and loss is being together with people who can understand and have dealt with similar pain. But that's just talk. That's just words. And words matter. So sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never hurt me. Fooey. Words can hurt. They go deep. But God don't just give us words. He gives us action steps of how to fulfill those words. See, I can stand up here and say all these things, and I don't know if you're going to remember it tomorrow morning or not. Only the Holy Spirit can bring back to life these words because this is the living water that God is pouring to us today and he's given us this word to say, I can heal you. I can help your hurt. I can heal your pain. So in this room, he's telling us that. He's prophesying that to us so that we can deal with the loss and the hurt and the anguish and the, and the, and the dread that we have of dealing with another day. But to do that, we need some action steps. See if we got enough of these for one per couple, if you will, and hand them out to couples. If not, we can make copies before you go. So take, just hand them out, and one per couple. And uh oh, Ricky, Ricky to the rescue. One per couple. We got a coffee machine in here. If it's not enough, we'll we'll make sure there is enough. 
And if people's not here, we'll, we'll share it and we'll, we'll get it out. We can do it through texting, Amy, or whatever way we have to. We'll, we'll make sure that these action steps are in everybody's hands because this is the way that I feel like we need to work together, to be together, to be there for each other, because I don't want to see anybody in this room continue to struggle. And by saying, I don't want to, I don't believe God wants anybody in this room to continue to struggle. So this paper that they're handing out is for small groups and it's for she's still going anybody over here on this side they're still make sure everybody's got one if they don't have one we'll print them and we'll get more before we're done here Ricky's awesome. Everybody say good job, Ricky. She loves working. Working's her favorite. In suffering, we are looking for the meaning, but that search for meaning will have difficulty starting until we voice our full distress. So we're looking for meaning. We're looking for a reason, and, and a lot of people, you know, and I've asked this same question myself, is why? During funerals, I, I try to say it at funerals when I, I perform funeral, funerals that it's okay to ask why. Amen? Amen? But the first thing you need to say whenever somebody says something like that to you is say, is that biblical? Is it biblical to ask why? Because a lot of people are going to give you a lot of advice but if it ain't biblical, <laughs> you're barking up the wrong tree. Biblical. Is it biblical to ask why? So the theologians in the room, ponder through your head right now and think, is it okay to ask why? And is there anywhere in Scripture that would allow me to ask why? I'll give you one. Are you ready? Jesus. Hanging on a cross says, Why hast thou forsaken me? Why am I alone? Why am I in this situation? Why am I hurting? Why has all my friends left me? But he's asking his heavenly father, why have you forsaken me? Not just myself. It's a pretty bad situation you'll find yourself in if you find yourself in a situation that God's not there. And think about this as God himself, through the form of the son Jesus, hanging on a cross and says why. And if it's okay for Jesus to ask why, it's okay for you to ask why. Okay? And think about this. God, through his son, is struggling himself, asking why of his father. Do you think the father heard him? 
Absolutely. Because he hears the cries of his people. And I assure you, you know your children's own cry better than you know your own. The mama's in the room. I've watched it be somewhere in a loud environment and some little snotty-nosed brat over in the corner got hurt and let out a little squall and that mama's ears will perk up like that and they'll take off wide open going towards it. Why? Because they know their babies cry. Put this in the form of God, our Heavenly Father. You think that He don't hear your cry? You think He's not there for you? It's not true. Dust if you'll play, I'll shut up. God is okay with you asking why. And he's okay with you even asking, where are you? Because that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus saying, I, I, I stayed in heaven with you for eternity, times past. But here I stand in this situation, in this circumstance, in this position, hanging on this cross, and I feel alone. But King David, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, Travis said, If I make my bed in the pit of hell, yet you are there with me. There's nobody in this room that isn't in a place that God is not there with you. He is with us, folks. So these questions that's on this sheet, I want you to look through these this week and at some point in this week, I want everybody in this room, everybody in this room, to at least figure out a way to small group. And I'm not saying you have to be in the same room. I'm not saying you have to do it by Zoom. I'm not telling you how to do anything or what to do. I'm just saying do this with people in this room. Because there's people in here hurting. And you may be on the mountaintop, and they may be in the valley. But the best thing about the church is we're all in this together. And when you're on the mountaintop, the best thing you can do is rejoice and say, Glory, hallelujah, I'm full of glory today, and I feel God touching me, and I know he's ministering to me. But the best thing you can do is look down because there's somebody there next to you that's in the pit of hell in despair and reach down and say, I've got you, brother. I've got you, sister. Let's come out of this together. I'll help you on this path, this journey called life. But you got to go deep with it. And when you call the people, maybe maybe your family, maybe you're not. I'm not. There's no such situation. It's no perfect way. But God wants us to be in this together with each other. Everybody in this room, I challenge you. Be with other people in these topics and answer these questions at some point this week. Don't let it be prayers. I'll pray for you. There's nothing wrong with praying for people. But as Jeannie Mayo said, one time she went in and told her kid, you know, the kid was scared of the boogeyman. Mama, I can't go to sleep. Jeannie Mayo, she had, she had been a youth pastor of thousands of kids and youth groups and stuff, and she goes into her own daughter's room and says, you know, to her daughter, daughter's in there trembling, fear. Boogeyman's in the closet, Mommy. I can't go to sleep. You know what Jeannie Mayo says? Well, baby, I'll pray for you. And turns to walk back out of the room. Jesus will be with you. You know what her daughter told her? Mama, sometimes I need Jesus to have some skin on. Will you just lay down in the bed with me? 
there's nothing like having somebody when you're hurting. And I thank you guys for what you did for us during the loss of dad and all that stuff. And <laughs> it's nice to have people. It's not to have a posse, a gang, a crew, a flock, a herd, a school, or whatever you are. It's okay. How many will commit to doing this this week with somebody in the room, somebody you know, maybe it's somebody in the community. There's people out in town that needs help too. Maybe they go to a different church. That's okay. We're all in one big church anyway. Amen. And ask God to put on your heart. If you don't know of anybody right now and you say, well, everybody in my, in my crew, we're all good. They might be masking it. You might ought to ask. Kids in high school, it's... I, I don't envy the kids in high school. In grade school, too. It's not just high school, middle school. It's grade school, too. There's, there's kids that I, I can't imagine what they're dealing with in today's world. Ricky, be a good friend to your little buddies. Teenagers, be good friends because you don't know what everybody's dealing with. There's nothing wrong with being honest. I want to pray over, over everybody here today. Father, there's grief in this room that is unbearable. There is sorrow and anguish that is so deep in our hearts, in our minds, in our soul, even in our spirit, man. Pain is real. And Jesus, I know that you have brought us to this place. And I know that you have given us this gift of this sermon series entitled Grieving with God. And Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit that you will do miracles and signs and wonders among us. God, that situations that we're facing... God, that healing would happen. Not that it wouldn't be remembered again, but healing that the hurt would be gone. That the joy would remain. The thoughts of the beauty of the things that those that we have lost, that they have left upon this earth, and God, that we would enjoy life even in the midst of loss. Lord, that the trauma would be subdued to a level to a point where we could help others. Because I know that that's what you've called us to do. And God, I'm thankful that you have allowed me to be a part of this place called the bridge. Because I know that the bridge is a connecting thing for point A to point B. It can get people from a place they cannot get to otherwise. That a bridge can make a, a pass possible in a car to go over a river that would be impossible without the bridge. And God, you're going to use the bridge, this body of believers, to do the impossible. Lord, that we would deal with grief. That we would open up 
and be truthful and honest. That tears could flow. That sorrow could be there. That cries could be heard. And God, we would do it together. Because that's what you did with your disciples. And that's what you're going to do with us. God, I pray that you would help those that are fearful about calling somebody else that the enemy's going to put in their mind and tell them, no, somebody else will do it. God, I pray that you would give them strength and courage this week to make a phone call, to get in their car and drive over one evening and meet with somebody. That you would make us bold, God, as lions, but as harmless as doves. Help us to be your people so that we may serve you and do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.